Welcome to Writing the Wrong Way. This is a podcast for serious writers who want to develop their skills in artistry and stand out in a crowded industry by taking intelligent, creative risks. I'm your host, Jonathan Ball. I hold a PhD in literature. I'm the author of uh, numerous books, and I take a very analytical approach to art making, emphasizing both efficiency and experimentation. So I'm, I'm talking to Grégoire Courtois, who is the author of uh, a number of books in French, uh, and then his first book translated into English, uh, translated by Rhonda Mullins and published uh, in Canada and the U.S. by Coach House Books, is uh, The Laws of the Skies. And I was very excited about this book when it came out because my really specific interest, I'm interested in a lot of uh, you know different types of literature, um, but if you have listened to this podcast for a while, you'll know that I'm extremely interested in uh, horror and specifically horror fiction that has unusual narrative voices and a kind of unusual narrative structure, what I might call a, kind of an experimental uh, horror in some sense. And what I find really fascinating about this book is uh, on one level, uh, its content is very wild and you know uh, extreme even for the horror genre uh, but then on another level it has a very unusual uh, style of writing uh, for a horror story so uh, so Grigoire, I just wanted to just kind of start with maybe you can tell people a little bit about just what the novel is you know what is it about uh, on a basic level and then we'll kind of maybe move from that point Actually, it's a really simple story because you, it's a, it's a classroom, a class of kids going on a trip on the forest with three grown-ups, and they all die. That's the point. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's the first page, and I love the first page of this book made me fascinated and really you know, got me. Uh, I found it so interesting because on the first page of this book, that basic setup you establish, you know, these kids, they're all around six years old. They're, you know, basically in grade one, they're going to uh, this, you know, trip into the forest. Uh, and then, and the last line of the first paragraph is, pages, they would never return. Uh, and it's such an amazing opening to me for a couple of reasons. But one is that you just immediately establish a, uh, that you know, there's no hope in this novel, in, in a certain level, which I think is a is a weird and interesting way to to start things off, and it's difficult as a writer, I think, to try to establish. I mean, often in horror, what you're playing with is will this person survive this situation? So you decide to just eliminate that immediately in a certain level. So can you talk a bit about where this kind of idea came from and how you why you sort of chose to open that way? I don't remember uh, specifically when it came, but I think it was really early, of course, because it's the first page and I wrote it first. It was not uh, later, you know. So, so I think it was a challenge because you, you are right. It's very difficult for a writer to, to compose a, a text with no suspense at all. Uh, the, the reader knows everything from the start so the writer has the duty to interest the reader 
even if he knows the end. That that was the challenge, and the challenge uh, evacuate. Uh, that's what you say. The the who will survive uh, those kind of things. I, I didn't want to to write a story, uh, a, a regular story, uh, a story with uh, uh, common narratives, uh, common uh, narrative arcs. You know, I I wanted to to, to write something uh, radical, extreme. You pronounce the, the the word. I wanted something extreme and uh, with no hope from the start. So, so the point is elsewhere. And what I think is really interesting about that is, at the same time, you've, I think, very smartly picked a really specific horror genre. Like the way I describe this book to people is, it's basically a slasher film, but with six-year-olds. So, it's on one hand, this uh, story. St- structure you know the slasher film more or less where we're kind of like one after the other there's a victim not always you know being killed by this like sometimes they're succumbing to the environment uh, often and then sometimes to this you know killer uh, but you but on one uh, it's a very elemental um genre uh, this and that has a very kind of clean structure in many ways uh, and you kind of also compare at different points in the book this to a fairy tale children should not go into the woods is a sort of core you know one of the core lessons of a fairy tale that you keep kind of reminding us of uh, the narrator keeps reminding us of Uh, but at the same time uh, it is a very complicated and unusual story I think it's an interesting balancing act where you have this very conventional uh, or or very straightforward I guess you'd say plot structure that we get you know in, in fairy tales or slasher films uh, but then you have a very kind of complicated way of moving through that, and it isn't um, it isn't conventional. But you've got this very on the surface conventional story structure that you're using. I'm just wondering, like, how did you get, get to settling on that kind of slasher like uh, plot structure? Yeah, that's it. You you absolutely get the point <laughs> because. Uh, I first uh, wrote uh, uh, the plan. Uh, what will happen in this novel? It was a really simple plan. Uh, which characters uh, will die and when? I knew that when I start to write. But when you write something, uh, things happen, and uh, things happen in, in my mind. It's uh, it's it's difficult to. To, re- to 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 stay straight uh, to to what you planned, uh, it's difficult to to stay simple, even with a simple plan. And this is a slasher plan. You you are right. This is a slasher movie plan. Uh, this this novel is very simple. It's mathematical. Uh, it's a grain of sound. Uh, one after the others, uh, and uh, and and that's why that's why I, I as a as a writer I, I'm happy to play in this to play in this simple frame, and uh, I don't I don't remember wait. Um, Remind me of a sonnet in a way, yeah. like you have this structure in place. Like it almost seems like you're using the slasher yeah, the, film the, story the, as a the, structure. 
yeah, the structure is very simple and it's uh, written in the beginning. Uh, I, you know, my uh, inspiration for this were, were more movies, movies like uh, Pasolini or Antonioni. Uh, those guys, those directors, uh, wrote films uh, mathematically, you know, like plans, like uh, symmetry and. Uh, uh, I, I think about uh, theorem. If you if you have you seen this this movie uh, theorem, or uh, other movies by Antonioni, uh, I was more inspired by those movies uh, than the slasher movies because a slasher. I, I like slashers, but I haven't found I haven't, I haven't find some. Um, uh, they are interesting enough. Uh, I think uh, Pasolini or Antonioni are, are more uh, popular uh, directors than, uh, I don't know, uh, Final Destination or things like that. Uh, because the structure is, uh, I don't know, shocking for the, for the people. It's more shocking, more popular, more... Uh, um, bomb breaking I don't know the, the, the word and uh, I tried to do that well one of the th I mean the problem with slash films of course is they become very formulaic what I, what I think is interesting is um, again I almost would compare it, it it's different but, but it's, it's, it's almost sonnet like in the structure of here's a very rigid structure that you know like this like the plot of a, of a, of a slash like story is a rigid sort of structure but Inside of that, you know, of course, the the a bad story will just follow the structure, uh, whereas a good you know story will just f inside of that structure find inventiveness or even start subverting it and playing with it. And what I think you do interesting is making this this move towards like a fairy tale, uh, but then you start subverting that. I mean, there's a moment in the book where you talk a, a character. Well, as the narrator, I guess this you have this sort of narrative voice that kind of operates like a character. This person who's telling us a story, who's not a character in the story, but is just sort of telling us what has been happening, and is and at one point compares the different. It, it, the voice starts to talk about the difference between what is happening here and what might happen in a fairy tale, and the the line is along. It says something in English along the lines of. Um, you know, there is a, always a lesson in stories because if there, you tell a story without a lesson, uh, then it destroys civilization a little. <laughs> but then this story has no lesson. Uh, you know, what can we learn from this story? Uh, and I think, can you talk a bit about that kind of tension and how you keep bringing up, at different points you bring up this idea of storytelling itself characters start telling stories but then they never get really get to the end of the story because they are murdered or they just start losing their ability to tell the story they don't believe in these stories anymore and, and so it sort of starts to fall apart uh, and I'm curious to know um, your thoughts on this story in terms of that sort of theme of trying to tell a story and sort of failing to tell the story people believe will accept as a story and so on I don't know if that's a very clear yeah. question, uh, but... No, it, it is. Uh, but uh, first of all, I wanted to tell stories. 
uh, stories, tales. That's what uh, I wanted to do in this novel because it, it talks about kids in the woods around the fire. It, it, it has to be a, a book of stories, but not one story, many stories. And I try to to create uh, more stories possible. And you, you, you said it, uh, there are uh, some some of them are um, metaphorical. Some of them are horrific. Some of them are unachieved, and uh, and that's why I wanted to do ab- absolutely. Uh, I I wanted just to, to, to talk about the the narrator because you talk about the narrator, and I think it's very important in in, in this novel. Uh, the narrator is, um, you know, in France sometimes uh, readers. Uh, Says to said to me uh, that the narrator is cynical, but I don't think he is. Actually, this narrator is neutral, and being neutral while kids die is a problem. You cannot be neutral. You, you have to be affected, uh, moved. Uh, you have to feel something when when a kid die, uh, and this this narrator. Uh, absolutely don't doesn't he, he, he doesn't feel anything he is natural so 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 that's a really important character of this novel and uh, I, I tried to to stay straight to this neutrality but it was hard you know because you you, you are tempted as a writer sometimes to be cynical to 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 have to, to make jokes, uh, I don't know. Uh, even he, 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 because in horror, uh, in you know when when you look uh, a, a movie, a horror movie with your with your friends, uh, sometimes you laugh, you laugh because it's it's funny. Even if it's horrific, it's funny. Uh, I tried, uh, <laughs> and sometimes I failed. I tried not to be funny with this, uh, to be uh, really. Uh, Primal. I had to be primal with this, and uh, sometimes it works. But some readers, uh, re- uh, some some readers uh, laugh uh, when they read uh, the Laws of the Skies, uh, and for me, it's it's a failure. Absolutely. <laughs> I I think I understand that completely though, because what is so interesting to me about the book, and I think the best horror stories or horror films do this this same thing. Uh, which is that they take the audience and pull them close to a disturbing perspective on the events. And, and I think, a, yeah, I think a story that's a horror story that sort of fails in a way is, to me anyway, is where you're you're too distanced from the event. Either you're sympathizing with the characters, or you're too distanced from the characters and are laughing at them. But I think what's interesting is the the weird middle position where you aren't quite with the characters. But you're not quite able to separate yourself, and you, but you're but you're you're with this weird storytelling point of view, and, and you're kind of viewing yourself as an audience member and, and being disturbed by the position. Like what I think is so interesting about um, this kind of uh, narrative voice and this, the way that you kind of have this, uh, you, I think it puts the audience in this position where they have to understand that they are watching kids die. Uh, and it's, it's something that Hitchcock does a lot in his films. And you sometimes and you see in certain other 
really excellent um, horror, like Texas Chainsaw Massacre will sometimes it'll do this at one point, where it starts to bring you into the position of making you aware that your job as the audience member here is to enjoy these horrible things that are happening for your benefit or to show you something. Uh, and it makes you culpable or makes you involved in the um, killing in a weird sort of disturbing way. And I think like just being close to this narrator is sort of the frightening thing in the book. Like what I think is interesting about this story in some ways, I don't find that the children dying is this, is that frightening compared to being close to this person who is neutrally telling us about the children dying is disturbing, if that makes sense. Like that closeness yes. to the voice is, I think, the disturbing aspect in many ways. Yes, absolutely, and uh, I hope I hope it works uh, this way because uh, because this narrator has to be the, 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 the most disturbing thing in the in the novel. Uh, you you said that there is a link uh, between the writer and the reader, or between the narrator and the reader, and it's true because. I wanted this link. Uh, sometimes in the novel, you, you know, the, 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 the narrator speaks to the reader. Uh, he, 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 he tells the reader the reader has a duty uh, while reading. If you read this, this is because you wanted to read uh, a book with children dying. And that's your responsibility. Uh, there is a responsibility because uh, I'm the writer and I wrote this, but the reader has also a responsibility That's because you read it and sometimes you bought it. <laughs> you bought it uh, in a bookstore. Uh, you, you, you made this choice and we can go back to the first page. The first page is the, uh, you know, the, 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 the menu. Uh, you know, it, it, it is what you will find in this book. I'm not tricking anyone. So that's the responsibility of the reader to read this book. And that's why that, that's why the, the narrator is uh, sometimes annoying or sometimes, uh, I don't know, is uh, be, because he, he put the, the reader between the... No, he put the... Um, it put the reader in front of his responsibility. Yeah, I, I think that's exactly it, and, and why it's so interesting to me. Because again, the, why the first page is so impressive to me was it just lays out. It, it almost feels like a challenge. Like here is what will happen. You know, are you going to read this book? <laughs> and you now have a choice to make. Uh, and it, you kind of stop short of saying that, but I think it, it very much is an implication. You know. Are you going to read this book? Like, is this really the book that you are interested in reading? And then at certain points, you are sort of reminding the reader in a way like they have chosen this. They have chosen to be here uh, and to be a sort of witness. And what does that mean about like they're in? Why are they here? Uh, starts to become a disturbing uh, question, I think. And at one at certain points, you play with the idea that maybe they have some hope uh, that the kids will get out of the situation, but they shouldn't. You know, remember, <laughs> we already know what will happen. Like it, so either they're here because they want to see these things happen, 
or they're here because they still have, they've been trained to hope and we need to break them of this training. Uh, it's a very, you know, I wouldn't say that's a cynical point of view, though I think you're right. Like it could easily be read or, or I think misread as like being cynical. I think it's almost just a sort of, it's, it's a kind of neutral, maybe even a little melancholy, but more almost an accusatory uh, like point of view. Like, why are you here? Uh, reading these things, you know, uh, is there, uh, what does it mean? I, I think it's, it's interesting because it reminds me of something that Stephen King once said uh, that was his goal. But I don't think he ever really achieved this goal. But King used to say that his goal was that he wanted to hurt the reader. And I think, I, I think ironically, he, he rarely, other than maybe with Pet Cemetery or something, he, he rarely kind of, where again, you've got a, a child being killed and that's sort of where a lot of the horror evolves around. But um, I think uh, that sort of goal is an interesting goal uh, for the horror story, like to hurt the reader and to you know threaten them uh, and the things that they believe uh, or even believe about themselves. Uh, is I think I think that's the most interesting kind of horror to me, and I, I really see this book falling into that very small group of you know stories that has as their goal or maybe even achieves a sort of hurting of the reader if that makes sense yeah you're you're talking about Stephen King uh, I like I like him uh, very much anyway in this particular subject I think Pasolini and his movie Salo is absolutely the reference for me because Salo Uh, when uh, when Pasolini uh, shoot uh, this this movie, he, he said, "I want uh, you know we are in the 70s in Italia and uh, it's very tough a tough uh, moment of history in Italia. There are bombs, anarchists, and uh, it's very hard, dead for nothing, and it's it's very difficult." And uh, Pasolini said, "You want." blood you want sex you want mass media you want those kind of things i will show you what it is what it is really and salo was was made for this to to be the most extreme movie of his time i i think it succeeded uh, salo is barely watchable it's a it's a really uh, extreme movie Uh, I, I remember, I remember seeing it in the in a cinema in Paris, and uh, I don't know half of the room, uh, half of the spectators uh, went off uh, during dur during the, the movie. Well, Salo was more more um, a reference for me, and uh, about hope because you you, you talk about hope. Yeah, this, this the difficult. Well, I was just gonna say, like, when, when I bring up King, I don't mean like this is nothing. This is that the actual opposite of what yeah. you know he does. It's just that he has that interesting quote where he has mm -hmm. like this. He claimed he had this goal, which I always thought was an interesting goal, but something it has nothing to do with his work. Weirdly, but that goal I think is something that you see. I mean, Bunuel had that goal with Shan Delu and was disappointed that people liked the film, <laughs> you know, uh, that goal of, you know, hurting the peop the viewers in a certain sense and like trying to draw their attention to their own decadence. And I, I even just think of, um, 
again, this um, is, is I'm very curious to know what the reaction has been to the novel that you've seen so far. It's just coming out now in um, in English, um, but it's been out in fr- French for some a little while now. H- how has the reaction to the book been? Uh, it's special because in France, you know, the the book. Uh, was published in a collection of uh, thriller and mystery, you know, uh, really, uh, I don't know, with a policeman, uh, <laughs> I don't know the, 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 how you call it in, uh, in the US. Uh, so, so, so it's really strange because uh, people uh, who read my, my book uh, uh, was waiting for something like a mystery with a a policeman uh, looking for the the murderer and something like that, and they they were very disappointed, of course, because <laughs> that's that's like a, a you know the Lieutenant uh, Colombo, and uh, wh- where you you, you know uh, stories, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, in Colombo, you 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 know exactly uh, who did it uh, at the beginning, and, and and it was exactly that. You know exactly what. What happened at the beginning, but there is nothing more in the rest of the of the book. Nothing more in a sense of a de- detective story. So the laws of the skies uh, really uh, upset uh, readers in France, upset or shocked, of course, because I had some some of them were scandalized by uh, by the book, and I, I received uh, letters and I received. Uh, my book, my own book, they, they send me back because uh, because every everybody knows where, where where I'm I'm working because I uh, I own a bookstore, so so sometimes uh, I receive uh, my own book uh, because uh, people uh, don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> so they found they so return it directly to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm. <laughs> or they or they phone at the bookstore say, to to insult me. That's. Uh, <laughs> It can happen. So, so the reaction in France is uh, is very strange because uh, I'm very proud to be uh, published in English at Coach House Books because because I know this is a more literary uh, house. That, that that's why uh, that's why I'm really happy because uh, readers know knows exactly uh, what they are reading. And uh, in France, it was not. It was not this. Uh, it was more a commercial niche of uh, detective story, and then uh, it uh, upset uh, a lot of people. Hmm. And now another thing that's just kind of interesting in it, just in terms of the French English difference, I think there's a very different attitude towards horror stories tr- historically between the two. And maybe you can tell me a bit more about it, but. Um, it strikes me that the French, how I understand it is the French have a more literary, uh, they kind of include horror in literature a bit more fully than we have traditionally in, uh, you know, in North America. Uh, and to a certain degree pays a bit more respect to horror, but on the other hand, uh, has a much more, uh, bombastic uh, and kind of gruesome tradition of horror. You know, if you go back to the Grand Guignol and and so on, you have on one hand like these uh, very explosive um, 
kind of surrealist or, or like surreal-esque um, over-the-top uh, style in, you know, the French tradition to some degree. But then you also have, you know, uh, like a greater respect in, at least in some critically speaking for genres like horror you know the french were um quicker to take up hitchcock and poe as serious authors uh, you know than the english-speaking world was and so on so i'm just kind of curious also to you know to know um to what degree do you see yourself as connected to that french tradition or uh, and do you see any connections between what you're doing here and the ulipo because i see that kind of mathematical setup and then as you say just sort of here's the the playing out of this kind of rigorous playing out of the scenario um it it's not as rule-based but it has like that kind of here is the frame here is the way it's going to unfold now let's just watch it unfold in a certain as you say mathematical fashion so i'm just kind of curious to know what what your other roots are in terms of your relationship to maybe French literature? Well, um, I'm not really sure that the French uh, are more connecting than the, I don't know, Americans. Uh, uh, are more connecting to oral. There, there is a oral history in literature. Maybe not oral, but fantastic. Uh, I think to Théophile Gautier or, or people like that, but not not that much, I, I guess. Uh, so horror is still uh, really a popular and uh, dis- depreciated genre. Genre uh, in in France, uh, I think it's a, it's the same in the US. Huh? We are in niche, uh, so so. No, I, I, I don't think there is really a, a, a difference in this. History of French horror um, is more uh, cerebral, maybe. Uh, you know, it's more uh, uh, linked to the surrealism. But the surrealism is not popular. It was a, a bourgeois genre, you know. Uh, it's uh, it's more that uh, maybe même aristical... Uh, arist- uh, aristocratic <laughs> genre that's what I mean mm-hmm. uh, because surrealism is absolutely not popular uh, those people uh, were uh, were rich and they were in the in the um, Paris in the Saint-Germain-des-Prés and uh, it, it was not a, a popular horror is popular in France but uh, but the writers are not considered as the high level writers um in, in the US uh, it's not the case too so to 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 talk about the Olipo uh, yes I love the Olipo as a reader but I'm not uh, gifted enough uh, I think to to write uh, like uh, the people uh, of the Olipo because it's uh, this uh, this way of writing is uh, too difficult for me I'm I'm not able to do to do this. Uh, there is a frame in my novels, in all of them. Uh, um, sometimes uh, really uh, 
really straight and really uh, complex frame. But uh, Olipo is more than that, and I respect it a lot, a lot because uh, it's really difficult to to make uh, like a, just a poem uh, with a, with, a, <laughs> with the problematic of the Olipo. So uh, I, I I know a lot of them. Uh, they are still active in France I, and in Belgium. I, I don't know if you if you know one of them, but uh, there are no. a lot of poets. There are a lot of poets here. The, the Olipo still uh, exists. Uh, there is the, the association with the president and the poets, and uh, they are thinking about a lot of things. There are a lot of. Uh, uh, they do a lot of um, poetry, uh, vocal poetry, and uh, it's it's really really interesting, but really really difficult to translate. I, I think <laughs> because uh, lipo is uh, so difficult to to. To, I know for, for a writer of the Ulipo, it's uh, too difficult to deal with his own language. I think translation would be uh, would be mainly impossible. Well, to to come back to my my literary roots, I think I'm I'm a I was a reader of Stephen King when I, when I was a child, and uh, I think it was really. Uh, an influence and a reference for me for, for a lot of time but I, I haven't uh, read him for I don't know decades maybe but I think it um, it grew up it grew up in it grew up inside me and uh, I have it in my I have his books in my mind far very far but they are here and um, that's some kind of uh, earth where uh, all my novels uh, grow. <laughs> I think it's uh, something like that. And uh, for the for the horror and for the fantastic, but for the rest, <clears throat> I read uh, I read a lot of a lot of things, a lot of novels, a lot of genre, uh, mainly uh, like a regular novel in the. Uh, French and uh, from all over the world. Uh, I'm a bookseller, you know, so I read a lot of the things. And I think when I write something, I'm trying to do what no one has done before. That's my my, my goal. That's my aim. So what attracted you? Like, where did you first come up with the idea for this book? Did you? I, what I'm wondering is, did you did you first have the idea of you know, a, a kind of horror story with these young children, or did you first have the idea of this kind of neutral narrator describing a horrible thing, uh, and then you settled, and then got the children after that point? I'm, I'm kind of wondering what the origins of this idea were um, initially for you. I will try to be clear because uh, you know I, I don't speak English well, so I, it's a long story actually. <laughs> so. Uh, First of all, I, I was working uh, on the forest. I wanted to to write something about the forest, and I'm a very paranoiac uh, person. Uh, when I go to the forest with my kids, uh, I'm afraid. Um, I'm always thinking, uh, and if I die right now, if I fall on the ground and they are here, and what? What, what will they do in, in the middle of the forest? That was, I think, I was the point. That was my fear, my fear with my own children. Uh, 
uh, my first daughter had, uh, I don't know, four, was four or five, and we were uh, walking on the forest. And uh, and I thought, I thought, uh, what if? And then I thought about the the human, the human civilization, and uh, is the human um, human race today uh, adapted to the forest? I think we are not adapted to the forest anymore. So our children w- would die if they were uh, alone on the forest. They they would die. So that was the that was the beginning. It was a long time ago I'd, I had this idea. And then uh, some of my friends uh, in, uh, in Burgundy here, uh, they, they create a publishing house and the name was Trash, you know, and they wanted to do uh, the most horrible thing in the French literature. So uh, they beginning to 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 write uh, horrible novel with necrophilia and things like that. that. That was absolutely horrible. And I thought maybe I could write something for them. And then uh, I think all all was connected. And, uh, and I thought maybe uh, I could write something. What what we what is the most horrible thing I could write? I could write. And I thought. Uh, kids dying because it's very rare, very rare, and uh, in the in the literature, even in the cinema, it's it's rare. So so I thought I could do this in an extreme way, and where do the children die in the forest? So uh, so so that was the beginning of the novel, and it it was uh, it was really quick. I wrote it uh, very fast. Uh, because I, I had, re- I had written a, another novel that took me four years, and it was a long work and hard work, and I wanted to do something fast and uh, straight, and uh, I thought that's the plan. I have two months, three months, or maybe four months. That's very fast for me, and uh, I will write this. Uh, day and night to to accomplish this uh, little book for my friends but then uh, writing the the book uh, it, it became something else because it was not the but not the, not the style of the trash uh, you know publishing house because uh, trash was more uh, uh, joking with uh, with the style of horror and uh, writing the laws of the sky i thought no that's not for them because uh, it's not funny this project is not funny. <laughs> and when did you get the strange narrative voice? Was that something that just kind of when you were writing it, uh, or is like like how, how did you end up with that unusual voice? Oh, it was uh, from the beginning. Uh, I sure. think really from the very beginning, uh, I found this way of uh, telling this story and. It was natural. It was really natural because uh, kids in the woods uh, has to be uh, narrated by uh, by uh, th- this kind of narrator, by this kind of uh, uh, natural and uh, I don't know, like like in a fairy tale, uh, in the 
in the book you read, uh, in the cover, you know, it it, it is written uh, once upon a time. It it was not in the in the French edition, but I think it's a really good idea, because uh, once about a time, uh, uh, it's the the project uh, of this. It's uh, in in a way really realistic, uh, really precise, but in the other way, it's a fairy tale. It's a grown-up fairy tale. So the the, the narrator come up um, really naturally uh, I had uh, when I rewrite the, the book with my uh, editor uh, we thought that he was too cynical actually uh, or some in some way a reader could thought um, it was too cynical so we attenuate some uh, some passage some uh, some some sentences uh, to add it, to to have uh, a narrator more neutral and uh, more frightening in a way. I, I think it's so interesting because my big complaint about horror as a genre is that the thing I always say is if it's a horror story and the things that are happening are so horrible, it should be hard. It should either be hard to tell about these things. And the narrative voice should reflect how difficult this is and should you know, be stuttering and stumbling and you know, just having a hard time explaining to us what has happened. Or it should, this more sort of what your book is doing, or it should be, if it's going to have this cold, neutral relaying of you know, information, then we should be disturbed by that. As opposed to the normal way that these novels will work is it's a horrible thing, but it's just being relayed in a transparent prose by a kind of transparent narrator who's not really present. And I think that the, the, the more, what I like about the book a lot is, there's a lot of things I like about this book, but one thing that just struck me the most was it's, it kind of finally realized uh, this kind of narrator that I've always wanted in a horror story, which is the narrator who is there uh, and telling us the story as opposed to just kind of absent and the story is coming to us. Uh, so that that voice telling us is sort of again becoming a disturbing presence and is almost a stain um, on the story in, in a manner of speaking uh, and so we don't get to feel um, again we get very kind of made aware of our position because we have to constantly just re-engage with this voice that's telling us these things and to what degree might we be like this voice, I think, is the where some of the sort of disturbing aspects really come into play. So, so to me, it's a very fascinating book because it, it kind of realizes one of these two positions that I've, I'm really interested in when stories do this work. You probably want to know this author, but there's a great Canadian author named Tony Burgess who does very unusual experimental horror stories. But he goes and goes in the other direction. You know, the way he describes it is he tries to tell stories with a deteriorating consciousness. <laughs> so it's like as the story is being told, it's starting to break apart and become unstable because of how traumatic the events are. And I think it's an interesting, your book is an interesting kind of complement to his work insofar as it's doing the opposite thing. Uh, but they both have this kind of unconventional 
subversion of what you s- normally would see in the more um, conventional kind of genre approach to this to the material. Yes, the first thing you said was uh, about science, and uh, I'm 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 agree with that because uh, I love science. I'm uh, I'm reading uh, scientific uh, articles, and uh, and uh, I'm really aware of uh, things of the I don't know the, the science in in general. So this voice, this narrator, is really precise because he knows things. He knows how a kid die uh, why he, he dies not because uh, he had uh, I don't know whatever a rock on the head uh, but because the rock on his head uh, uh, crashed uh, his skull and then uh, provoke uh, an hemorrhage and uh, then uh, the, 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 the yeah there's a moment near the stops. end yeah. where, you, where he starts yeah. to talk in that precise way of like you know, th- this boar is eating you. <laughs> this boar is eating this person. And he starts describing, like, now I need to describe this very precisely to you because you have to understand, you know, how this would be. And it, it becomes, yeah, that very clinical, precise description. Uh, and it's very interesting, like, how the narrator kind of couches everything in that. Um, you have to know this exactly. Um you know, for but the the reason is never clear, <laughs> other than perhaps uh, again, almost so that you don't. The way I read it was, it's almost this precision is almost so that you don't accidentally start thinking this means something, um, and the story has a lesson in a strange sort of way. Again, it, it, it seems like a subversion often of the the normal way we horror stories like to defend themselves when they're attacked by saying, oh, it's a warning. Uh, this is, you know, a warning. This is what, you know, we hope, you know, and, and so on. And, and I think that your book, it, it does a lot of work to avoid defending itself, if that makes sense. From, yeah, of you course. say, charges that, 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 of bad taste. <laughs> for me, it's the worst uh, in the horror movies, actually, when there is a, a moral, when the the killer or maybe the ghost you know when the ghost uh, come back from the dead uh, to to avenge or or because uh, you, you you have done something wrong and uh, you are punished for this and I hate this I hate this uh, kind of moral uh, I think more like a scientist and uh, I think uh, if you die that's because of uh, natural causes or accidental causes but it's not the fate and you you don't deserve it uh, and those kids uh, of course don't deserve uh, to die but they die anyway because it's the life because it's uh, like the title it's the laws <laughs> that, that is that is the law you you have to die even kids sometimes that's sad but that's the it's the science you have uh, this position is the position of the narrator and that's why this narrator is this is disturbing uh, when you you talk about the end and this shocking final scene uh, this scene if you read the, uh, with attention this this uh, this scene uh, the narrator change the the way uh, change the point of view uh, mm-hmm. he said 
he says you you are eaten that's not the kid it's you and uh, some, it's something very strong in the in the book and I, I tried uh, I really tried hard to 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 wrote this uh, this scene with uh, the more precise thing because that's what I think I think when we read something and you are right about it uh, when we read something we are we think it, it could mean it could mean something uh, it could uh, you could project your your mind where uh, to, to, to something else to a political metaphor or uh, and that was the, the problem in this book because uh, uh, you know there is the um, uh, oh, I forgot the title the golden books <laughs> I'm, I'm so I'm so stupid. Uh, uh, Lord of the Flies uh, when you when you write something like that, uh, there is uh, the Lord of the Flies uh, with uh, the political metaphor and the humanist metaphor, and uh, I wanted to do the exact opposite of this. Uh, that was uh, for me. For me, it was uh, written in my uh, in my little uh, book note. Uh, do not do not do any metaphor, any. Uh, allegory uh, go away from this well you did a really brilliant uh, job and it's a really outstanding and strange and you know fascinating uh, little book that I really encourage people to uh, check out um, so thanks very much for talking to me Grigoire and um, uh, I'm, I hope that more of your work is translated into English because it's uh, uh, you know really interesting uh, wonderful job that they did with this book thanks to you and uh, I hope I will uh, improve my English <laughs> since then <laughs> right well thanks again and uh, um, and and again the book is the, Law- the Laws of the Skies by Grégoire Courtois and is published in English by Coach House Books um, and if you go to writingtherongway.com then you can find links to all that uh, stuff um, uh So thanks again, Grégoire, um, for talking to me and for writing such a disturbing uh, (laughs) and strange and beautiful book.